Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Aaron. Whether you walked in today and it's your first time coming in, or whether City Harvest is your home, and you know some of the people or most of the people in this room, um, I say this a lot, but I believe you're here today for a reason. And I believe that there's more of God for you, that you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to stay there. Now, if you're in a good place, you might be like, I want to stay here for a while. I'm doing good. I want to stay here for a while. And if you're not doing good, there's hope. You don't have to stay there. But the cool thing is that there's always more of God. There's always more of him. So whether you're in a place of discouragement or whether you're in a place of joy, there is more of God for all of us today. Do you guys believe that? I believe that. So today we're going to continue on with our, our Holy Spirit series. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And today we're just going to be learning more about the Holy Spirit. Um, even if you think you know all about the Holy Spirit, the cool thing is God is eternal and there's just depths to him that we can never know. There's mysteries to still be uncovered. And then sometimes we do actually know things, but we forget or maybe we're just discouraged in the walking it out. We know the truth, but it's hard to walk it out. So we're reminding ourselves over this series that there is a God who sent his Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us throughout life, and to help us. And he sent this Spirit after Jesus went back to be with the Father in heaven. So, um, ushers, if you'll pass out Bibles, if you need a Bible today, you're not reading on your phone, you want an actual paper copy like me, just raise your hand. The ushers will get those to you. If you are, um, if you already have a Bible or a phone, we're going to be reading from the end of John 15 and through the beginning of 16, so you can go ahead and turn there now. But we're going to learn today, there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does, but we're going to learn today, just to, we're going to focus in on how the Holy Spirit teaches us the will of God how the Holy Spirit tells the truth, and how the Holy Spirit transforms us. Our heart's cry this year has been what is on that wall over there in the yellow box. His kingdom come and his will be done. Who's the his in there? It's obviously God. God's kingdom come. That's our heart's cry. God, would your kingdom come in us and through us, and on this earth, and would your will be done in us and through us on this earth? So we're intentionally praying something that is completely backward to our human nature. We're saying, not my will, but your will. Not the things that I desire, but what you desire. Not the things that will make my life better or easier, but what are the things that are gonna make your kingdom come on this earth? And let's be honest. That's a risky prayer. It's a risky prayer because when we ask God to accomplish his will in our lives, not other people's lives, we all love to pray for God's will to be accomplished in other people's lives. When we ask God to pray for his will to be accomplished in our lives and we ask him to do it, not in the way we want him to, but in the way he thinks is best, um, all illusions of control that we thought we had are thrown out the window. Maybe if you've been praying that prayer intentionally, has anyone noticed like just a slight uptick in 
things, hard things in your life, things going wrong this year, and maybe you're wondering what you've done wrong, or man, maybe it's, it's what they're teaching at church. They're just not teaching the truth, and man, it's all the things I'm doing. It's the ways I'm not measuring up, and it's the other people in my life that are making it so hard for me. No, God is answering our prayer. He is refining us, and when he refines us, it is not always the funnest process. Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. And it might seem obvious, but we have to be taught to do the will of God. We don't just intuitively always know how to do the will of God or what his will is. We have to be taught by his spirit. And then once he tells us and shows us what his will is, we have a choice because we get to choose to align ourselves with what God is doing. And a lot of times that looks like a place of surrender. I surrender to what you're doing in my life, even though it hurts. I surrender in my life, even though I kind of think I have a better way of doing it and I don't even know if this is going to work out, God, but okay, I'll trust you. But we get to choose how we align ourselves with the will of God. And we can only do the will of God by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. I love that the psalmist says there, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. We are so prone to forget, we're prone to wander, we're prone to be fickle, we're prone to be self-centered. And all of those things are shaky foundations. But when we are taught how to do the will of God, and when the Spirit of God is leading us, the Spirit of God leads us to level places, firm places. And I love God's character. He's loving kindness, and his patience reminds us when we forget He's faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. And he's selfless in his love towards us even when we hold back our love from him. When we say, God, I don't like what you're doing and I don't like how you're doing it and I'm gonna shut down my heart, he still loves us. He still comes after us. And that is what I think is so amazing. The Bible is this book. It's this complete story and it's really a history right, of this faithful, promise-keeping God who keeps his covenant with a faithless, covenant-breaking people, and that he continues to pursue us with his unfailing love. He continued to pursue his people with unfailing love. And really, it's the gospel. That is the good news. It doesn't mean we stay faithless. It doesn't mean we say, well, there's nothing more I can do. I'm just a human. But it means that even at our weakest points, God finds us there and says, come back to me, return to me. Now, he's a promise-keeping God, and there's promises that you might know about in the Bible and, and that we talk about in regards to the Holy Spirit. So long before Jesus ever came to earth, God is promising things through, these, through men of God and women of God, these prophets, that he was gonna come and give his spirit in a new way. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would, uh, the way it's described, the Spirit of God would come on someone. It would, it would come on them for a specific task, or it would come on them because they were called to do something, and it would be this mighty, powerful, miraculous thing. But even with that, that was not the Holy Spirit being given in its fullness to all the people on earth that desired it. So there's some promises that we could be familiar with in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27. God promises through his prophet Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you this heart of stone that you have and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. That's a promise. But a lot of times we won't go to the verse before or the verse after, you know. So before this, though, he says, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. That's a promise, too. He's going to clean us. He's going to purify us. And then we'll be able to follow him the way we're supposed to. Through the prophet Joel, we know this and God promising about the spirit. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, not just a chosen few, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. But right before that, well, a few verses before that, he says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Tear your heart, not your garments. They would tear their, their garments in those days to show that they were mourning or that they were grief stricken. He says, tear your heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. So in both of these passages where there is this promise of God giving his people good gifts, we also need to be prepared first by him to receive his good gifts. He cleans us. He refines us. So today, that's my prayer. God, as we are experiencing you today, even as I'm sharing, Lord, I just ask that you would refine my words. Father, that there would just be a spirit of truth in the room. By your Holy Spirit, would you cleanse our hearts? Would you purify us and refine us? Take out the big boulders in our heart. Break up the hard ground in our hearts. Help our minds to be able to receive. Help our bodies to be able to receive you in all of your fullness today. In your name, amen. All right, let's turn to John 15, the end of uh, John 15, chapter 26. So in the New Testament, if you're not there already, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the end of chapter 15, verse 26. So context for this is that we, we've been hanging out in John. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've missed a couple Sundays, that's okay. We're still hanging out in John, a lot in John here. Um, 
But this is the Last Supper, and this is where Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet, and he is giving them his last speech before he goes to be crucified. He's telling them about good things, like the Holy Spirit coming. He's telling them about bad things. Peter, you're going to deny me. And then he's, he's telling them about the ugly things. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucif- crucified. And this is right before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he's arrested. But he's telling them, there's someone coming after me that you need. So let's just pay attention as we're reading. Notice how Jesus talks about this spirit that is coming to help them. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And now into chapter 16. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. So I've told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I didn't tell you this from the beginning, though, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asked me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have told you these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So I noticed the the very first time um, that I was reading through that that over the last couple of weeks, that this name advocate, and in the Greek, it means someone who is summoned, someone who's called to one's aid, one who pleads another's cause before a judge, counsel for defense or a legal assistance. It actually kind of has more of a legal uh, connotation. One who prays and stands in the gap or intercedes for us before the Father. One who consoles and comforts. It's a helper. The Holy Spirit is our advocate who helps us. Now, one of the things that advocate does, and when you're thinking in the legal sense, is it helps us by testifying, 
It tells us the truth. It testifies the truth. He can only testify what the Father tells him. And in the Bible, that word means to bear witness to or to bear witness with or to affirm or declare something publicly. Now, today the word testify is usually associated with what happens in a courtroom or maybe like a congressional hearing. And if you've ever watched a congressional hearing on TV, if you've ever been in a courtroom where people are testifying, we know that even though everyone promises to tell the truth, they swear on a Bible, so help me God, we know that not everyone who takes that oath actually tells the truth. And sometimes it's not just the witnesses who aren't telling the truth, sometimes it's the lawyers who aren't telling the truth. Their whole role is trying to find the truth, what actually happened here, but they're not actually held to a standard of truth-telling. The advocate, though, can only tell the truth, and that's one of the identities of the Holy Spirit is that it's a truth-teller. It tells us the truth. Now, this spirit that Jesus is talking about that's going to come after him, he says it's coming to correct people about things, to convict them, to prove them wrong. And he's saying that the Holy Spirit is going to correct wrong thinking, wrong beliefs. And so in this passage, he's talking about the Spirit of God that's going to correct our thinking about sin, correct our thinking about righteousness, and correct our thinking about judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts us. You might hear people talking about that. I was so convicted. I was so convicted when I said this thing or did that thing. Have you ever had that happen where you're in a conversation, you say something flippantly, and you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And instead of just actually sitting there with that feeling of, oh, that that was kind of gross, I shouldn't have said that, you go back to the person and you say, you know, in that conversation, I said this thing. I should not have said that. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. Will you forgive me? Will you, will you not let that thing stick to you, please? Because that was not from God. The Holy Spirit convicts us, though, of our, our sin, but really our lack of belief in Jesus. He said, in regards to sin, the Holy Spirit is going to convict people because they don't believe in me. Now, maybe most of you in this room are like, well, that's not me because I'm a believer. (laughs) But there's this crucial role that the Holy Spirit plays because it comes in and comes into our hearts and our minds and our actual lives, not our Sunday morning lives, and is like, where do you not actually believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Where do you actually believe that Jesus, um, he made you, God made you to be a certain way, and where do you not believe that identity, that God-given identity? Where do you actually believe wrong things about other people? The Holy Spirit's job is to correct our wrong thinking and our wrong beliefs about Jesus. I always think it's interesting that um, in Genesis, when, when the snake comes to talk to Adam and Eve, what's the thing that the snake says? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? And so the Holy Spirit tells us the truth about where we are operating in unbelief. Tells us the truth about where we might be grieving God. Tells us the truth about where we're missing the mark. There's a mark that God has set for us and we're missing it. 
And the Holy Spirit definitely comes to tell us the truth about how our sin or the things that we're doing are impacting others. Now, the next thing that the Holy Spirit does is it testifies. Um, Jesus said, in regard to righteousness, that I came from the Father, I'm going back to the Father. So Jesus came from God and is going back to God, and he's with him now. And the Holy Spirit affirms Jesus's identity as the Son, that he's righteous and holy, and he's sinless. And he is in this constant state of being acceptable and worthy to God and approved by God. And so the Holy Spirit testifies and tells the truth about who Jesus is. He bears witness to who Jesus is. And by the Holy Spirit, we're actually supposed to do the exact same thing. We are supposed to testify with our mouths and with our lives that Jesus is exactly who God said he is. And then the Holy Spirit judges. Now, you might think judgment, yes. The Holy Spirit's gonna come and tell everyone that they're wrong about how they're living their lives and how they're not obeying God. But it's interesting, judgment here, he said the Holy Spirit comes to judge the ruler of this world, the devil. The Holy Spirit judges the name of, you know, devil in, in the Bible, it's not actually his name, but devil means accuser. The accuser, so that he judges the accuser already and lets him know you are already condemned. He comes to write those accusations that the devil comes against us and against people who follow Jesus and even against Jesus himself. And he says, you're wrong, you're convicted, you've already been condemned, you've already been judged. So the Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth that yes, we were born into sin, but we were made right through Jesus, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and that the devil is condemned. And that's something that we get to testify about. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, yes, and a few, I don't know, weeks ago, a month ago, I talked about the Holy Spirit leading us in making decisions and in guiding us. How do we make decisions? How do we live these lives that God has called us to, to lead? And one of the cool things about the Holy Spirit is that he leads us prophetically. It says in there that he knows what's to come. So he, the Holy Spirit knows what's ahead and prepares us. Now, that doesn't mean that we are never caught off guard, but the Holy Spirit actually lets us know this is what's going to happen, and there's a preparation that can happen in our lives. And we know that in the book of Acts, we read about some of these disciples that um, they find out about other believers that have believed in Jesus and were baptized into Jesus. They believe in him, but they didn't know about the baptism of the Spirit so they actually had not been filled with the Spirit of God yet. And it was great that these new converts wanted to follow Jesus and they believed in him. But these disciples went to them and said, oh, you need to be baptized into the Spirit. To live the life that Jesus has called you to live, you need the Spirit. The Spirit empowers you to do miraculous things. And it's amazing to me that that happens through relationship. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on people and empower them to do things. In this new way of living, we have relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're in a constant state of relationship and communing with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit leads us and guides us to do what God has called us to do. Um, a few weeks ago when Pastor Bob was sharing on the Holy Spirit, he reminded us that the Holy Spirit is not just this force and this power that the Holy Spirit is a person, a person that we're supposed to be in relationship with, a person that talks to us, 
and where we listen. There's this quote by R.A. Torrey, and he says, if we think of the Holy Spirit only as an impersonal power or influence, then our thought will constantly be, how can I get a hold of and use the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely tender, then our thought will constantly be, how can the Holy Spirit get a hold of and use me? Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, we start to tell the truth too. We tell the truth about our sin. That was not okay what I did. Holy Spirit told me that wasn't okay. That's not okay. I have to go make things right. We start to tell the truth about who Jesus is and his place and what he's done for us and how we get to have relationship with him through the Holy Spirit. And we start to tell the truth about how the devil has already been defeated. And we get to point that out in our lives and align with that truth. And we get to point that out in other people's lives. You get to live in a place of victory over the devil. Spurgeon said, it is the chief office of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ. He does many things, but this is what he aims at in all of them, to glorify Christ. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus is by sanctifying us and transforming us to become more like Jesus. And transformation sounds good. The Holy Spirit does transform us, and that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Um, but often this, this sanctifying work, that, that's a really good-sounding religious Bible word. It means cleaning us, correcting us, dismantling things, taking things apart, making things right. It's not always easy. Now, um, I know I just quoted Spurgeon, but I'm also going to say something that might totally, you know... Uh, totally cancel that out. But I do enjoy reading the Passion Bible, um, that paraphrase devotionally. And in the footnotes for where it says there in John where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit being our advocate, it talks about a lot of times the Aramaic words. And there's just a lot to be found and to be gleaned in there. And so it goes into how in a lot of translations, the Holy Spirit is called helper, counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor. But all of these words in and of themselves fall short of the deeper meaning of the word. And so right there, the Passion Bible uses the word savior, and then they explain why. And because the Aramaic word for what is advocate comes from two, the root words, two root words. in our lives and save us from the effects of sin in our lives. So their word for Savior, they said, that's the Redeemer is coming. A Redeemer is coming after me who ends the curse of sin in your lives and sanctifies you to become more like Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. One of the things that I actually do love about the Holy Spirit is that it tells us the hard truths. 
you know, right there, Jesus is saying, um, so just so you know, there's a time coming, um, you're going to get kicked out of the synagogues, and um, anyone who kills you, so you're like, wait, we're going to get killed? Like, he's just making this sound like it's no big deal. So anyone who kills you is going to think that they're doing a service to God, okay? So just so you know, after you're dead, you're going to realize that it's not true, but... Um, they're going to do such things just because they didn't know who I was. They didn't believe in me. Um, but I've told you this. And just remember, this actually happens. This actually plays out. All of the apostles, as far as we know, get martyred. Um, just think of Saul. Saul. What was Saul doing before he became who we know as Paul? What was Saul doing? He was going around house by house, finding these Christians, these believers in this new way, and he thought he was doing God a service. I know the truth. I have the law, and the law is the truth, and these crazy people are coming, and they're saying things that is against the truth, and I am the defender of truth. And he murdered them, men and women, Maybe children, I don't know. So Jesus tells them this, these hard truths, and the Holy Spirit does the same thing. And what I love about that is because, you know when someone is honest with you in a conversation, and maybe in a way that even offends you, where you don't want to like actually talk to them for a while after they've told you something about yourself? Every single time, whether that person is just yapping away and just saying whatever, or whether you know it was from the Holy Spirit, every time we hear a hard truth, it's an invitation to transformation. Every single time. Okay, so when someone tells you, 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 you have something stuck in your tooth right there, it's an invitation to get it out. It's an invitation to transformation. What I love, though, is that it's an invitation to stop lying to yourself. The Holy Spirit being a truth teller means that we have to stop telling lies to ourselves, And we are so good at it. Whether those lies are you are so awesome and don't worry about how much you're sinning and don't worry about how it's impacting others or whether the lie is you are a worm and God is ashamed of you and he would never, ever take you back. It doesn't matter the kinds of lies or the kinds of lies where it's like, I have the truth and that person doesn't have the truth and thank goodness I have the spirit and they say they have the spirit of God, but I'm so thankful, you know, like the Pharisees, I'm so glad that I am not like those people. We tell ourselves lies and there's no dancing around the truth when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I love when people are direct. In the book of Acts 20, 23, the Holy Spirit tells Paul that prison and hardships are waiting for him. You know, if you're doing exactly what you think you're supposed to be doing and the Holy Spirit was like, oh, so just by the way, like there's all these people waiting for you in that next city that you're going into and they're going to they're gonna take you and imprison you and beat you. So just letting you know that. Um, sometimes we can feel like we wish God prepared us more for the hardships we're going through. We wish God would have told us what was coming so that we wouldn't be caught off guard. But what if the Holy Spirit actually told us everything that was coming? Would we still do it? Would we still obey? The Holy Spirit is, is like this mirror, and it, it reflects the actual thoughts we have, not the ones that we think we have. It reflects these lies that we're prone to believe that shape us. It reflects the ways that we are tempted to think more highly of ourselves than others or think of ourselves as less than than others. 
And so what I mean when I say I love that the Holy Spirit tells us hard truths is because it's refreshing to be corrected. It's not refreshing in the moment. I don't like it when Pete comes to me after I've just talked to the kids and is like, mm, you know how you're always telling me that I'm really harsh with the kids? Well, you were being really harsh with the kids. I don't want to hear it in the moment, but then I have to actually think about it. Then I actually have to ask God, was my heart in the wrong place? Or maybe my heart was in the right place, but the execution of it and how I said it was just horrible. And then I probably have to go back to the kids and say, um, so I'm sorry for in the way, you know, the way that I, I talk to you. And then I have to even worse, go back to Pete. <laughs> Be like, thank you for correcting me. I, I thank you so much. <laughs> but I'm thankful for the honesty of the Holy Spirit because a lot of times there is so many lies. And if I say that, they're like spirit of truth. There's lies. The first places a lot of our minds go is, yep, there's lies in culture. Yep, there are lies in like the, the culture and American and, you know, American culture and government and the schools and there's just lies everywhere. There are, but the Holy Spirit actually is looking at you. The Holy Spirit is not looking at the person next to you and going, oh, I'm so glad you brought them to church today. Now I can deal with them finally. No, the Holy Spirit is a mirror, and it's saying if you would just look in this mirror, and if you would just look at it, not only, you don't have to transform on your own, I'm going to help you do it by the power of God, and guess what I'm going to make you do? I'm going to make you become more like Jesus. You get to become more like Jesus, so the Holy Spirit correcting us, that, that honesty is an invitation to transformation, and I do think it's interesting how, you know, us as a church, we're crying out to God, transform us, Lord, bring your kingdom, your will. And the, the things that God is doing behind the scenes, it's happening on Sunday mornings, but the things that are happening behind the scenes is God is correcting our wrong thinking. He's correcting our wrong beliefs. He's correcting our harmful habits. There's all these things that the Holy Spirit is doing because we can cry out for that and we can cry out for revival and God, come visit us in this really, you know, powerful way. And he's like, first, can I get you ready to receive me? Can I get you ready to actually be able to stand up in my presence? Can I get you ready to steward and be good stewards of people that are broken, that are going to be coming in? People that have been hurt by all the lies of culture that are disillusioned? Can I get you ready first? Um, Pete and I are learning a lot about leading and pastoring since August. So, um, you know, there's a transition that Pastor Sue and Pastor Bob, they had to go through, and this is, this is their life work this is their baby, and they just handed off to two young whippersnappers, you know, Pete and I. What were they thinking? And we've been in the ministry. We're all in the ministry, guys, but I'm, so I'm, that's why I'm being facetious. Um, we've, we've been pastoring for a long time. But there's something different that happens when God's like, and now you're in a different role. And in some ways, nothing changed, really. And in some ways, everything changed. And the Holy Spirit is correcting our thinking. 
And one of the areas that it's been the most clear. So I, I appreciate the, the honesty of the Holy Spirit, and I appreciate the relentlessness of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes things are just a whisper, like, ah, yeah, you probably shouldn't be saying that. No, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Other times, it is like you keep running into brick walls, and your head hurts, and you're like, ah. I don't understand why my head hurts. And it's like the Holy Spirit's like hedging you in and saying, I am trying to get you to go this way. When we had the, well, I was going to say prophetic team, but when we had uh, Jess Strickland, Pastor Jess Strickland, Pastor Jen Neuschwander, and Pastor Karen Wells, I thought it was, it was neat that they were all, they're all lead pastors and they all move prophetically in the Spirit. And when we had them come, they were telling us these hard truths because we're always asking for feedback, especially when, you know, we have someone come in as a guest, whether it's just a, a new person coming in for the first time, we're like, hey, what did you experience? How did you experience things? But when we have guest speakers come in, we want to know too, what did you feel in the spirit? What did you see? What are the practical things? We, we try to get feedback. And it was fascinating how they were very, once we invited them in, uh, they were very honest. And Pastor Jess, you know, we went out to lunch with him, and he's asking Pete all these questions and essentially just says, um, why aren't you preaching more? And Pete's like, well, because we do things with a team. We have a preaching team. And he asks them the exact number of times that he's going to be preaching this year, and he said, that's not enough. That's not enough. Pete's like, no, but I just, I don't want to, I don't want to take up the, the pulpit, and people get tired of hearing me week after week. And maybe you do, but that's not the point. And he corrected him, and he said, basically, that's out of an insecurity. You've got to start acting like a father. You can't be a father who, in a sense, says, I'm, I'm going to let other people do that role. Because, you know, and we as parents do do this, right? We need other people to help us parent our children. We cannot do this alone. You need the aunties. You need the uncles. You need the friends. You need the youth leaders. And you need the teachers at school. You need everybody. You need the grandparents. Um, you're just like pulling people off the street like, hey, can you come talk to my kid? They won't listen to me. But I know they'll listen to you because you're not me. But he was like, there's a role, though, that you have as a father. And you've got to step into that role. And that means preaching more. Okay. So then we were talking to Jen Neuschwander and, and we're saying how we, you know, we just have this thing like we, we want this place. We want all of you, all of us to be spiritual mothers and fathers. Now, that doesn't mean you're 80 years old and you have just were born, you know, came out of the womb and you were praising God and filled with the spirit and just knew God your whole life. It means that you have some semblance of knowledge of God, you have experience of God, you've been slightly transformed by God, and then you see there's others who, have what you, who need what you have, and that you could possibly help just further them along in their walk with God. And the, the pastoral team can't do that all by ourselves. I know you think we can, but we can't. And every single one of you is actually, you know, commissioned when you are like, yeah, I'm a member, cool. That's so awesome. You're a part of the family of God, this lo local body. Now, who are you going to spiritually pastor? Who are you going to spiritually mother and father? Who's spiritually and mothering, mothering and fathering you? And we were talking to her about this. We want to be a place of spiritual mothers and fathers so that when, you know, the adolescents or the infants 
of, of culture. They're, they're spiritually babies. They're spiritually kids or they're spiritual adolescents. And they come in here and they find mothers and fathers that can handle their messes, that can handle the talking back, that can handle the slam doors. They can handle that. And she also told us a hard truth because she got into some of the details of how we led. And she said, you are not acting like mothers and fathers. You're acting like an older brother and an older sister. And it was because we were trying to say like, it's weird, like we're in this position now and we're supposed to like mother and father everyone, but we're peers with people and like what's changed, you know? Or, or we've got people that are older than us and they're way more, they're way more holy than us. How can we mother and father them? And she was like, that's not the point. The point is God has assigned you. He's put you in this assignment. He's put you in this role. And if you step back from being a mom and a dad in the way that God's called you to, there's a hole there. There's a gap in leadership and people will feel it. She told us some hard truths. Pete, for his, his birthday, he turned 45 and he thought it would be fun to ask friends and to ask our staff things that he could be doing differently to be a better leader. <laughs> and you want to know what? Everyone pretty much said the same thing. Could you actually lead? Could you actually father us? Like, I know we're the same age, but could you, could you father? Could you, like, encourage us? Could you empower us? And, and he, you know, he, he would say like, well, I feel like I, I want people to become who God has called them to be. I'm trying to empower them all the time. But people were saying, yeah, but you're doing it from a place of almost insecurity. Like you don't want us to think that you're controlling and in that you're actually being controlling. Super fun. Super fun. Here's the thing though. We don't have to be afraid of what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit only speaks what the Father tells him to speak. So we know that when the Holy Spirit whispers something to us, yells something to us, that it's trustworthy. It's trustworthy. We can trust it. Because the Holy Spirit is a truth teller. And every time the Holy Spirit tells the truth, every time, he glorifies and honors Jesus. And a lot of times we're wishing that the Holy Spirit would not be telling us the truth. And the Holy Spirit is like, that's all I do. That's all I do all day long. Glorify, honor Jesus, tell the truth. The hard part is sometimes the Holy Spirit uses other people to tell us the truth. And sometimes that's not just because we're stubborn. It can be because we're stubborn. It can be because Holy Spirit is trying to talk to us directly and we're not doing it. But a lot of times it's because in community, which is what we're supposed to be in, right? In the family of God, there is no, I don't have to listen to you because I have access to the Holy Spirit. I have access to God. In family and in community, healthy community, God is going to use other people to speak hard truths to you. He will also use the Holy Spirit to encourage the heck out of you and tell you how amazing you are because sometimes the hard truth is that you're loved by God. Sometimes the hard truth is that God wants to work through you, that you don't have to be ready, you don't have to be qualified. The hard truth is God wants to, through his spirit, use your mouth, 
Use your hands, use your life, your job, your school that you go to, the neighborhood that you're in. God wants to work through you now. Romans 8, 14 to 16 says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies, tells the truth with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit does tell us hard truths, but the Holy Spirit affirms our identity as beloved daughters and sons of God. It does not matter what you did this morning, what you did last night, what you did 25 years ago. Our identity, first and foremost, is beloved sons and daughters. And when we step out of that identity is when we get in trouble. And the accuser loves to tell us, you're not beloved. How could you be a son or daughter of God when you do this? But the Holy Spirit also comes to say, I'm here to cleanse you. (laughs) I'm here to convict you in a good way. Would you let me tell you the truth about what you're doing that is keeping you from being able to say, I'm a beloved daughter or I'm a beloved son. The Holy Spirit produces the character of Jesus in us. Always, always sanctifying us to become more like Jesus. Are we fighting the Holy Spirit? Are we working with the Holy Spirit? Are we ignoring the Holy Spirit? Do we feel like we don't have access to the Spirit? And then the Holy Spirit empowers us with resurrection power to live like Jesus. There is a way that we are supposed to live in constant communion and relationship with the Spirit of God. It is a relationship. It's not this thing that just comes on us. It's a relationship and something that happens in us. The Spirit of God living in us, the Spirit of God filling us, and the Spirit of God soaking and saturating everyone else around us. That's how we're supposed to live our lives. Will you guys stand? If you're able. I actually didn't know how I was supposed to end this service. You know, when we prepare a message, we're supposed to let everybody know on the team, here's what we're doing, here's how we're ending, because we ask God ahead of time, what are we supposed to do? And I really didn't have anything planned. And as I was talking, though, I just, I just felt, it was like I, I could see the Spirit of God hovering over us, The Spirit of God is here. We don't need, I mean, thank you, Lucy, for playing and Skylar and everybody, but we don't need music necessarily, you know, for the Holy Spirit to come. It's okay to be silent before God. I love our charismatic tradition. I love it. 
But there are times when the Holy Spirit wants to do something and we get distracted. So would you just close your eyes with me? I don't know if closing your eyes actually helps you or not. So if it really doesn't help you, then don't feel like you have to. And just as a, just as a prophetic act, somehow, in some way, raise your hands. Now, when we raise hands, people do it for different reasons. Sometimes it's just what we learn. Sometimes it's what our body feels like doing. But the symbolism behind it is an act of surrender. It's an act of, you get me. You get all of me. It's an act of crucifying our flesh. It's an act of saying, I don't want to live by my flesh. I don't want to live bound in bondage to the things that have a hold on me. I want to be crucified, my flesh crucified, and I want to be alive in the spirit. I want your spirit to lead me and guide me. I want your spirit to rule my life. And sometimes it's an act of desperation. We're crying out, God, would you see us? God, would you lift us up? God, would you see where I'm at? I need you right now. Don't be far away. Don't stay silent. I need something more than what I have right now. And you're the only one. You're the only one who satisfies. You're the only one that I have to run to. Just the idea that when we've seen the face of God, when we've experienced his love, we will never be happy anywhere else. Ever. But we need more. So in your own words right now, it could be a whisper. It could be a cry that's just a groaning. It could just be talking as if the Holy Spirit is, you're just talking to and having conversation. Ask God for what you need right now. Ask God for what you need out loud. And not worry about what the person next to you is thinking. Maybe you need freedom. You need freedom from an addiction. As I'm talking, keep praying. Maybe you are like, my life is so crazy, and if I could just have a little bit of your peace, God, if I could just have a little bit of the peace that you promised me, I'd be able to think clearly. God, I'm so discouraged, and I just need your joy. Would you just come and lift my head up? Would you give me hope in my situation? The Spirit of God is here. What do you need? We need you, Holy Spirit. Not just to be in this room. We need you to fill us from the inside out. We need you to dwell in us, live in us, make your home in us, God. We need to look different. We need to act different. We need to think different. We want to think rightly about who you are. We want to think rightly about ourselves in relationship to God. 
We want to be a people known by our love, not known by our judgments. We want to be a people that are known by our generosity, not our scarcity mindsets. We want to be a people that even when we're not physically healed, we can say God is our healer. Not because we see it, because we believe it to be true that it's your character. That you're a healer. You heal us. Keep asking God for what you need. (laughs) Just keep doing it. I believe that the Spirit is here and the Spirit is going to answer the cries of our heart today.